the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Georgine Rice Show, December 13th, which just happens to be my mother's 91st birthday. Happy birthday, Mama. Taking a look at the news, dozens are feared dead after tornadoes hit multiple states. Kentucky Governor Andy Brashear, he said at least 70 people were killed as a result of tornadoes and storms over Friday night in his state. In a press conference uh, midday on Saturday, the final death toll could top 100 people and the toll is continuing to climb. This will be, I believe, he said, the deadliest tornado system to ever run through Kentucky. Well, dozens of people are feared dead after tornadoes and storms crisscrossed multiple states in the Midwest and southern U.S. on Friday. The roof of a candle factory in Mayfield, Kentucky, collapsed with about 110 people still inside. The governor said at a press conference early Saturday morning, the roof of an Amazon warehouse in Edwardsville, Illinois, was ripped off and a wall collapsed during the storm, according to local police. Uh, Police said there were confirmed fatalities at the warehouse, although uh, the exact number was not clear. Tornadoes touched down in Arkansas, Illinois, Kentucky, Mississippi, Missouri and Tennessee. Footage from journalists showed widespread destruction in Mayfield and elsewhere. Uh, Footage from one television station, a CBS affiliate in St. Louis, showed damage to the Amazon factory in Edwardsville, saying this morning I was briefed on the devastating tornadoes across central U.S. To lose a loved one in a storm, this is an unimaginable tragedy, the president said in a statement posted on Twitter. We're working with governors to ensure that they have what they need as the search for uh, for survivors rather and damage assessments Continue. Well, the storms caused the most severe tornado event in Kentucky's history. The primary tornado was on the ground continuously for over 200 miles in our state, something we've never seen before, the governor went on to say. Bashir added, we believe our death toll uh, from this event will exceed uh, 70 Kentuckians, probably um, closer to 100 lives lost. Kentucky Emergency Management Director said the storm system could be one of the worst in the state's history. This will be one of the most significant, the most extensive disaster that Kentucky has faced. And I know lots of people are praying for the survivors in Kentucky and these other states and looking for ways to support efforts to restore them. Meanwhile, closer to home, with lawmakers returning to the Oregon State Capitol for a special session, Governor Kate Brown said eviction protections and rental assistance won't be the only topics of discussion. Well, following bipartisan conversations with leaders in the legislature, the governor on Friday outlined additional priorities the lawmakers have agreed to address, including drought relief, illegal cannabis proliferation and humanitarian impacts and support for Afghan refugee resettlements, those who are coming to or are already in the state of Oregon. Arguably, the most pressing issue is that thousands of Oregon households are currently struggling to pay rent. More than 67,000 Oregon households recently reported that they feel not at all confident that they can cover next month's bills, according to the most recent U.S. Census Bureau survey. 
Also, area workers who voted to strike against Fred Meyer and Quality Food Centers, or QFC, both subsidiaries of Kroger Company, for alleged unfair labor practices. Well, according to a press release from the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, Local 555, that represents some 29,000 workers in Oregon and southwest Washington, members voted overwhelmingly to call for a strike. Fred Meyer and QFC have repeatedly violated their legal duties to negotiate in good faith with Local 555, with the most blatant example being Fred Meyer's refusal to provide information necessary for the union to negotiate a new agreement and to process grievances. That's a quote from the UFCW 555 president in a release, which was sent out on Saturday. The way these employers have violated the National Labor Relations Act has left grocery workers no choice but to take action. Well, Fred Meyer and QFC agreed to continue the bargaining process on December 14th through the 8th, rather the 16th, with the union. Fred Meyer spokesperson said the company's response on Sunday night was simply this. It's business as usual at Fred Meyer. A strike authorization doesn't mean a strike. Our current offer shows our commitment to the whole person, providing wage increases, high quality, affordable health care and a pension benefit for retirement. The most productive thing the union can do is to work with the company in a matter that positively addresses these items. Our focus remains on our associates and getting an agreement at the bargaining table. Uh, Fred Meyer being quite quick to uh, suggest that there won't be any disruptions uh, in the near term and the negotiations will continue again the 14th, 15th and 16th. Well, the Supreme Court mostly gave a green light for Texas, uh, a unique pro-life law over a month after it uh, expedited oral arguments schedule. The Supreme Court finally ruled in a much-anticipated Texas Heartbeat Act case. There were actually two different decisions issued. First, the court entirely dismissed the Biden administration's attempt to challenge Texas, noting that the case had been wrongly accepted to begin with. Hmm. Well, secondly, the court issued a more complicated, longer opinion in Whole Women's Health versus Jackson that has uh, was mostly a win for pro-lifers. What is the outcome of that second opinion? Well, first and foremost, the Texas Heartbeat Act is still in effect, which means hundreds of babies will continue to survive thanks to the law. We're looking forward to hearing the stories of babies whose lives were saved and desperate women feeling the pressure to have an abortion. But in hindsight, so thankful for this uh, this law and the additional support it provided. Thousands of lives have already been saved in Texas. Well, the justices, not surprisingly, were split on exactly what lawsuits were able to proceed to challenge the Texas Heartbeat Act. Justice Thomas would not have let the uh, abortion uh, supporters sue for in any instance. However, the remaining eight justices all agreed that the abortion providers could sue the licensing officials in the state of Texas, but can't sue other Texas officials. Now, this doesn't seem to be a huge win for abortion supporters. First, it's likely the law could easily be re written to make it clear that licensing officials are not in charge of administering Senate Bill 8. Second, since the Supreme Court would defer to the state's interpretation of their own law, the licensing officials could state that they inter- they're uh, interpreting the law is not uh, uh, placing them in charge of anything pertaining to Senate Bill 8. We'll have to stay tuned to see how this plays out. But at least for now, the Texas law stands in place. 
Well, Congressional Progressive Caucus Chair Representative Pramila Jayapal on Monday fired Democrats' latest salvo against a new Congressional Budget Office score that raided their massive reconciliation spending bill, calling it fictional and arguing the office itself is outdated, the Congressional Budget Office. CBO scores are outdated to start with in terms of what and how they assess. Many new ideas without economic data to help generate a score never get scored accurately, she says. Future savings include reduction in poverty, well-being of pl- the planet doing uh, don't get scored. So in other words, there are non-fiduciary um, uh, benefits that she says the CBO simply cannot calculate. On top of that, she went on to say, if you now tell CBO that they should score not based on what is in the bill, but on an assumption of what happens if all the programs in the bill get extended for some period of time, that topples all credibility of scores. Well, no, what it does is... It exposes sort of the accounting gimmicks that are in the legislation. They, uh, for example, would have a program that would run for two years with the expectation that it would run for 10, but you only put it at two so that the um, the scoring is lower. Well, that's fictional scoring, Jayapal added. GOP asking for a score on Build Back Better that extends all programs to 10 years is completely ridiculous. However, she and others want the programs to extend 10 years and beyond. Well, Jayapal's uh, comments come as severe uh, rather, the score of the reconciliation bill released by the agency last week continues to royal Washington, D.C. Senate Republicans asked the CBO to score the Democrats bill as if all its programs would be permanent, which is ultimately the hope for the Democrats, resulting in a total price tag of nearly five trillion dollars instead of less than two trillion. With the revenue raiser included in the bill staying constant, that would mean Democrats proposal would add about three trillion dollars to the national debt. Over 10 years and the back and forth continues. Meanwhile, pushing back on speculation that the president will uh, bow out of the 2024 presidential race due to his advanced age. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said on Monday that he has every intention for running for reelection. That's three years from now. We'll see what happens then. But she assured us that that's his plan today. In response to a question about the internal discussions within the Democrat camp, Uh, Regarding the game plan for 2024, Saki deflected before confirming Biden's reelection bid, saying we're focused right now on what the American people elected the president to do just over a year ago, which is to get COVID under control, to put people back to work and to help give people some breathing room. And we hope other people keep their focus on that as well. Saki said the president has every intention of running for reelection. Well, pundits across the political spectrum have argued that Biden repeated his uh, repeated blunders, maybe evidence of a broader cognitive. Cognitive decline. Nearly half of voters as of November have questioned Biden's mental fitness, according to poll conducted by Political and Morning Consult. Similarly, in September, the majority of Americans concluded that Biden is not mentally sharp, according to a Pew Research Center poll. In March, Biden told reporters that he planned to run for reelection despite being 78 years old. If he were to secure a second term, he would be 86 years old at its end. My plan is to run for reelection. That's my expectation. Biden said at the time. In other news, uh, a Kentucky candle factory owner uh, spoke out on FEMA, the rescue mission after the devastating tornadoes. We'll tell you more about that when we return in just a few moments. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and coming up in the second hour, we'll hear from Joel Rosenberg. His latest work, Enemies and Allies, an unforgettable journey inside the fast-moving and immensely turbulent Middle East. That's all coming up in the second hour of The Georgine Rice Show. For now, we'll be back with more news. 
You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. I want to remind you, coming up in the second hour, we'll talk with Joel Rosenberg regarding his latest book, Enemies and Allies, An Unforgettable Journey Inside the Fast-Moving and Immensely Turbulent Middle East. East, rather, The book is published by Tyndale. That will be the entire second hour of today's program. Also want to remind you that there is an opportunity for you, well, to have your mortgage paid for a full year. You still have time to enter the Christian, let me get this right, the Christmas Mortgage Miracle. It's a contest uh, to have your rent or mortgage paid for a whole year. You can enter once per day now through the 17th. That's Friday coming up. The Christian Mortgage Miracle from KPDQ and Osteo Strong PDX. Click on the Christmas Mortgage Miracle banner on the homepage at kpdq.com. Well, the Kentucky candle factory owner, Troy Propes, he uh, spoke out on the FEMA rescue mission after the devastating tornadoes flattened that industry. Sunday night in America spoke with Mayfield at the candle factory, uh, whose uh, factory was destroyed after the deadly tornadoes hit the U.S. and pushed through approximately six states. About 100 people are presumed dead or missing after four tornadoes, tornadoes rather hit Kentucky on sat, uh, Saturday. Uh, Trey Gowdy spoke with one factory owner about the conditions on the ground. Fortunately, FEMA has still declared this a rescue mission. They're the experts in the situation, and this gives us all hope because the people of this town and myself, we're all in uncharted uh, waters, uh, Trey, is, um, referring to the interviewer, and that is good news for us. Probes, who is the factory owner, said, we have 110 people that worked the second shift the other night making candles for some of the largest brands. This tornado came through with a force that was described uh, in the earlier segment. It's totally devastated this community. End quote. Well, it was reported that the candle factory was operating 24-7 to meet demands for the Christmas holiday before the tornado struck the area. And although the bad weather was known to the employees, the intensity of the tornado took the community by surprise. Probst uh, complimented his management team for properly handling the situation as best they could. On Sunday, the candle company said at least eight people were confirmed dead and eight remained missing, according to the Associated Press. More than 90 others have been located, the company added. And while we mourn the loss of the eight that we know of, we celebrate every time that we know the other number uh, has gone down. The, uh, pro- the uh, We appreciate, rather, the awareness that you bring to our community because it needs help. It needs the ability to thrive again, and we can can't do that without everyone's prayers and everyone's support. I know it's a clever thing to make reference to prayer, but I hope we are taking seriously the uh, access we have to the throne of grace to pray for those who are suffering in these states, primarily or predominantly Kentucky, but not limited to uh, an Indiana woman found a Kentucky family photo that traveled over 150 miles from where the tornado hit. The Kentucky tornado death toll has climbed, including children, according to the governor. And the Arkansas tornado aftermath continues to strike humanitarian havoc in the state. Meanwhile, Dr. Fauci says Americans may just have to deal with more COVID boosters. National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases Director Dr. Anthony Fauci said that Americans will just have to deal with the prospect of getting more coronavirus booster shots. He made the statement on Sunday morning, said that the level of protection that the current coronavirus booster shots give to individuals will have to be monitored closely over the next several months. If it becomes necessary to get yet another booster, then we'll just have to deal with it when it occurs. 
Fauci said he's hoping that the third mRNA shot will give long lasting protection. I'm hoping from an immunological standpoint that that third shot of the mRNA and the second shot of J&J will give us much more durable protection than just the six months or so that we're seeing right now. The doctor noted that it's possible that the booster should uh, uh, shot could dramatically increase the level of protection. Well, in another development, uh, a Saturday Night Live uh, cold open shows Dr. Fauci dispelling coronavirus myths with the help of the Cuomos and Ted Cruz. A Democrat governor declared the COVID-19 emergency over, saying if um, it's their own fault, and he used more colorful language, if the unvaccinated get sick. Vaccinated people no longer have to follow lockdown restrictions in Austria. And outgoing Mayor de Blasio says New York City is thriving and is much safer since the pandemic, which we're still in. Okay. well, Bloomberg's advice to Americans struggling to make ends meet is being mocked. Bloomberg article um, written by him mocked is being mocked for suggesting Americans spend their uh, paycheck immediately to cope with inflation. Spend it immediately. So I guess savings are out. A Fordham University lecturer has been fired after mixing up the names of two black students. I'm sure there's more to that story. I hope there is. New York City garbage collectors see overtime salaries reach an eye-popping amount due to a staffing shortage. They really are cleaning up. A new poll reveals what a potential Trump-Biden 2024 showdown might look like three years from now. The survey by Biden and um, Trump 2020 pollsters suggests close contact uh, contest in potential 2024 matchup. A national poll released last week by The Wall Street Journal gives us a glimpse, suggesting Biden with 46 percent and Trump 45 percent. Biden's one point edge was well within the survey sampling error. Well, Peloton got the last laugh with a clever new Mr. Big ad featuring a familiar voice. Stationary bike company Peloton, which saw its stocks drop after a fictional death on Sex and the City of a character using its product, has responded to the crisis with an ad featuring an alternative ending to the viral moment. The owner, of, I hope people rec- realize that was a fictional depiction. Anyway, the owner of a private equity firm backed by Coors has been accused of misusing funds Uber and Lyft drivers want more protection as rising crime keeps many off the road. San Francisco's vaunted tolerance is uh, dimmed by brazen crimes and inflation is riding high as we roll into one of the last weeks of the year. Investors are uh, rolling into a big week with the Fed uh, Federal Reserve final meeting of the year and another fresh check on inflation after prices at the consumers level surged to a 39 year high. Well, as inflation jumps, most disapprove of President Biden's handling of it. Just 28 percent of the public approve of how he's handled inflation. His numbers have reached new lows on the economy, on gun violence, crime, climate change and taxes, according to Ipsos. Independent voters are quite unhappy with the president and food prices are skyrocketing. The president fumed over the Supreme Court letting the Texas abortion law stand. From that story in The Washington Times, President Biden on Friday says he's very concerned that the U.S. Supreme Court let a Texas abortion law remain in effect pending legal challenges. He said that leaving in place the law known as SB 8, which bans abortions after six months of pregnancy and lawsuits against people who perform abortions, puts women across the country at risk of losing their right to choose. Unless, of course, you happen to be a woman in utero. The Wall Street Journal editorial board explained, despite all the alarms, this opinion had nothing to do with the merits of the law or the right to abortion. The issue was legal standing. 
A New York Post columnist explained why she's leaving New York City for Florida. Uh, uh, Carol Markowitz says uh, it's with some sadness and a lot of anger that I feel our family now needs to leave the city we've loved for so long. We're going to Florida, a state we've come to regard as the beacon of freedom in this country. It wasn't that we suddenly realized Florida was sunny and had no state income tax. It isn't because, as the onion joked years ago, that as New Yorkers, we woke up one day and realized it's a horrible place to live. Not because of New York's increasingly leftist politics, though obviously that didn't help. It was because they took away school during the pandemic and not enough of my fellow New Yorkers cared. I kept looking around at a civilization that doesn't value education or worse, values it for their own kids in the form of private pods or putting them into open private schools, but won't fight for their less fortunate neighbors to have the same. Mm. Bethany Mandel points out, I truly thought I'd never see the day we left the New York area and I've well, she has, again, some colorful explanation ever since. Uh, Carol ran New York City's PR and uh, wouldn't stand for it. Well, according to a recent poll, the public is simply not that worried about Omicron. Despite the hysteria pushed by some on the left, Ariel Davidson says it's encouraging that, contrary to the messaging of our incompetent federal government, people believe vaccines work and would rather live as normal humans rather than um, aware, uh, aware of the risk than soulless individuals trapped in their homes in complete isolation. Well, the city of Chicago plans to sue Jesse Smollett for the cost of the police investigation to the tune of one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. And a California group sued the state of California to stop implementation of an animal welfare law. From that story, uh, the National Pork Producers Council has challenged California's right to impose standards on businesses in other states. But so far, those efforts have failed. California is the nation's largest market for pork and producers in major hog states like Iowa provide more than 80 percent of the roughly 255 million pounds that Californian restaurants and groceries use every month, according to um, RoboBank, a global food and agricultural financial services company. Well, without that supply, it's pretty unclear if a state that consumes about 13 percent of the nation's pork supply will have all the meat it demands. Well, for the first time in modern history, Florida Republicans outnumber Democrats. Democrats are quite concerned as the 2022 midterm elections are taking shape. And the Pennsylvania Supreme Court struck down a mask mandate, yet another blow to the power play on COVID. Woke media professor who came up with the term Latinx are discovering it's pretty unpopular among, well, Latinos, Hispanics. Even offensive to many, the absurd word is preferred but uh, uh, by a mere 2% of the group and 20 times that number dislike it. And Democrats who use the word risk losing votes. Well, in politics with friends like these, who needs enemies? The White House censored Taiwan at the so-called Democracy Summit. National Security Council, of course, denied cutting the video feed. Andrew Cuomo's top aide and Chris Cuomo uh, plan to disre- discredit Fox News' Janice Dean over her COVID criticism. Well, the U.S. and she lost uh, two uh, parents in uh, to the nursing home debacle in New York. The U.S. ends its combat mission against ISIS in Iraq, but still troops remain there. President Biden dismissed criticism of the Afghanistan withdrawal with more prevarication. And Vladimir Putin's added at least 10,000 more troops near the Ukraine border after his uh, call with President Biden. Added insult, adding rather insult to injury. And despite appeals from Ukraine, the Biden administration is holding back on additional military aid 
to the uh, capital city. Being asked to take migrants uh, at their word, Republicans are criticizing the process of allowing illegal immigrants to get through airport security without ID. Meanwhile, Gavin Newsom promises to use the Texas abortion law precedent to restrict guns. I'm not sure I see the uh, connection. On the one hand, you can end the innocent life of uh, children, uh, unborn children, but you can't use a gun to kill others. Ron DeSantis' budget plan contains $8 million to remove illegal immigrants from Florida. DeSantis, of course, is the governor of Florida. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I need to take a quick break. want to remind you, coming up in our second hour, a classic interview with Joel Rosenberg on his latest work, Enemies and Allies, an Unforgettable Journey Inside the Fast-Moving and Immensely Turbulent Modern Middle East. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. A reminder, coming up in the second hour, we'll hear from Joel Rosenberg regarding his latest book. Also want to remind you, we all know it's Christmas time, but it's also an opportunity to share hope, healing, peace, and joy. And this year, you can join KPDQ to give families hope through your support of Focus on the Family. Now, through a special matching opportunity, your year-end gift will be doubled dollar for dollar. Uh, Good will use your... um, will be used uh, to bring healing and redemption to twice the families your gift would otherwise provide. You can get more details on how you can give families hope at kpdq.com and look for Focus on the Family's year-end appeal. Well, vaccine holdouts in the U.S. military has approached um, 40,000. What are they going to do with that, one wonders? New York orders businesses to require masks indoors regardless of vaccination status through January 15th. They were once again caught off guard in the city. Boris Johnson reported the UK's first known death from the Omicron coronavirus variant. Details are yet uh, unknown. A former President Obama economist is warning the Build Back Better bill will make inflation worse. And a 40-year inflation high will become a key issue in the 2022 midterm elections. There's been no uh, mea culpa from Jesse Smollett's media enablers. You know, those who immediately took uh, his side and believed what he had to say now that he's been convicted of falsely uh, making a report. They are quite quiet. Well, on this day in history, 1862, Union forces led by Major General Ambrose Burnside launch a futile attack against the entrenched Confederate soldiers during the Civil War Battle of Fredericksburg. Northern troops soundly defeated would withdraw two days later. 1918, President Woodrow Wilson arrives in France, becoming the first U.S. chief executive to visit Europe while in office. 1930, Lillian Yvonne Lee was born to Fred and Effie Lee. She would go on to marry Clarence Rose, my dad, and raise four children, including me. Happy birthday, Mama. 1977, an Air Indiana Flight 216, a DC-3 carrying the University of Evansville basketball team on a flight to Nashville, crashes shortly after takeoff killing all 29 people on board. 1978, the Philadelphia Mint begins stamping the Susan B. Anthony dollar, which would go into circulation the following July. 1996, the U.N. Security Council chooses Kofi Annan of Ghana to become the world body's seventh secretary general. 2000, George W. Bush claims the presidency a day after the U.S. Supreme Court shuts down further recounts of disputed ballots in Florida. Al Gore concedes and calls for national unity. 
his brightest moment. 2002, Cardinal Bernard Law resigns as Boston Archbishop because of the priest sex scandal. 2003, Saddam Hussein is captured by U.S. forces while hiding in a spider hole under the farmhouse of Adwar, rather in Adwar, Iraq, near his hometown of Tikrit. 2017, congressional Republicans reach an agreement on a major overhaul of the nation's tax laws that would provide generous tax cuts for corporations and the wealthiest Americans. Middle and low-income families would get smaller tax cuts as well. And 2019, the House Judiciary Committee votes to adopt two articles of impeachment against then-President Trump. Well, the richest man in the world does not own a house, has recently been selling off his fortune, he tosses satellites into orbit and harnesses the sun. He drives a car he created that uses no gas and barely needs a driver. With a flick of his finger, the stock market soars or swoons. An army of devotees uh, hang on his every utterance. He dreams of Marge as his uh, he bestrides Earth, square-jawed and indomitable. Lately, Elon Musk also likes to live uh, to live tweet, well, things that one wouldn't necessarily want to have Live tweeted. I'll leave it at that. Just dropping some friends off at the pool, the 50-year-old zillionaire informed his 66 million Twitter followers on an evening in November, having previously advised that at least half his tweets were made on a porcelain throne. After an interview interval, rather, 21 minutes, if you must know, an update, and he went on from there. I guess when you're wealthy, you can pull that sort of thing off. Well, this is the man who aspires to save the planet and get us a new one to inhabit. Clown, genius, edgelord, visionary, industrialist, showman, cad, a madcap hybrid of Thomas Edison, P.T. Barnum, Andrew Carnegie, and Watchman's Dr. Manhattan, the brooding blue-skinned man-god who invents electric cars and moves to Mars. His startup rocket company, SpaceX, has leapfrogged Boeing and others to... Uh, own America's uh, spacefaring future. His car company, Tesla, controls two-thirds of the multi-billion dollar electric vehicle market it pioneered and uh, is valued at a cool $1 trillion. Well, that has made Musk, with the net worth of more than $250 billion, the richest private citizen in history, at least on paper. He was chosen this year to be the person of the year by, what is it, Time Magazine. Well, others who were also named on their list of person or thing of the year, hero of the year, vaccine scientists and athlete of the year, Simone Biles. Now, interestingly, she didn't compete in most of the events, but uh, stepped aside for um, reasons that were perfectly legitimate. But if I was a gold medal winner, I might be a little put out. And finally, entertainer of the year, Olivia Rodrigo. I have no idea, but she was a chosen entertainer of the year. I'd find it rather comical to consider that of all the people that inhabit planet Earth who live and die and are born onto the planet, you can uh, come up with the sexiest man alive, one individual, uh, the man of the year, the person of the year. You select out of all of humanity that individual. It's rather absurd, but nonetheless, we entertain ourselves with making such pronouncements elon musk is the person of this year i'm not sure i'd want to be the person of a pandemic year but there you have it well in the same vein six people were a part of the ns19 mission including fox sports michael strahan and laura shepherd churchley the eldest daughter of nasa astronaut alan shepherd for whom the rocket is named churchley and the uh, former new york giants um, 
Uh, guests of Blue Origin were joined by uh, paying customers, Voyager Space CEO and Chairman Dylan Taylor, Starfighters Aerospace Volunteer Pilot Evan Dick, uh, Best Venture and Advisory um, uh, Principal and Founder Lane Bess and his son Cameron. The group launched from the Jeff Bezos-owned rocket company's West Texas launch site, one facility. A uh, liftoff was initially targeted for Thursday, but high winds forced a delay. The host, host rather, of ABC's Good Morning America brought his Super Bowl ring and his newly retired number 92 jersey along for the ride. And Churchley took part of her father's Freedom 7 Mercury capsule, in addition to a few mementos that accompanied him to the moon on Apollo 14. Bezos also put a football aboard uh, that will go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Previous 10-minute flights have um, sent just four people um, uh, up and back, including Star Trek actor, actor rather William Shatner. Jeff Bezos, Blue Origin, and Amazon uh, founder, was on the uh, debut launch last summer. So maybe he'll be the man or his rocket a thing of next year. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a quick break, but we will be back. I want to remind you, a classic interview with Joel Rosenberg on his latest, Enemies and Allies, an unforgettable journey inside the fast-moving and immensely turbulent modern Middle East. That, when we return in the second hour. But we'll be back for a little more news, so stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. A reminder, coming up in the second hour, the full hour, Joel Rosenberg, always a fascinating interview. His latest book, Enemies and Allies, an unforgettable journey inside the fast-moving and immensely turbulent modern Middle East. That's coming up in the second hour of today's program. Also want to remind you, Following the Georgine Rice Show, you can enjoy Saving America with Charlie Kirk. He's right here on 93.9 KPDQ weekdays at 6. Charlie Kirk is the founder and president of Turning Point USA, a national student movement dedicated to identifying, organizing, and empowering young people to promote the principles of free markets and limited government. You remember free markets and limited government used to kind of be a centerpiece here. Well, he speaks in over 70 Christian churches every year. And now with the launch of Saving America, you can hear him as well. Tune in to Saving America with Charlie Kirk weekdays right after the Georgine Rice Show, 6 o'clock p.m. right here, 93.9 KPDQ FM. So, yay. Well, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki today um said that there are a range of reasons for the increase in crime and smash and grab robberies in cities across the country. She was asked whether or not uh, the president was uh, going to take a hand in addressing uh, this uh, crime wave. And if he saw um, prosecutors as lax in their roles and as that being a partial explanation as to what's happening, she dodged the question on whether soft on crime policies or in fact, to blame. Well, smash and grab looters have been targeting stores all across the nation in recent weeks, robbing retailers of thousands of dollars of merchandise in cities like San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, Seattle, New York, and Minneapolis. Well, during a White House press briefing earlier today, she was asked whether she thought cities were experiencing an increase in crime due to its prosecutors and their approach, their soft on crime approach. I would say, she answered, we have seen, I'm not going to attribute the reasoning from here. Uh, What I will tell you is uh, you have seen an increase in crime over the course of the pandemic. There are a range of reasons for that. End quote. Of course, she wasn't selecting anyone in particular. Uh, She said, though, that the White House is focused on what we can do to address it. 
Well, that's good news. The president has proposed additional funding in the budget to make sure local police departments and cops have the funding they need, she said. Uh, We also have worked directly with police departments in areas where they're seeing the highest impact of the crime and retail theft, uh, which we have great concern about, end quote. And then she added, that's what our focus is on currently, is on action and doing what we can to make sure the funding is out there uh, to communities that need the funding the most. Well, Saki was suppressed further on specific incidents of criminal uh, criminals rather released from prison back to the streets without prosecution, such as the man who allegedly burned down the Fox News All-American Christmas tree last week in New York City and whether President Biden felt that was um, good governing. Again, she said, I think I've spoken to the president's concern about retail theft and left it at that. Well, in other news, taking a longer look um, outside the nation in recent months, you've probably been following, as have I, concern uh, growing about the potential for conflict in the Taiwan Straits. American defense officials have publicly expressed worry about the ability of the U.S. to successfully detour the People's Republic of China should Beijing decide to use force against the island of Taiwan. Well, the steady increase in size and frequency of China's aerial intrusions into Taiwan's air defense identification zone has exacerbated these concerns. You've got uh, Putin on the border of Ukraine and you've got China proliferating uh, in and around Taiwan and certainly uh, invading their airspace. Are these concerns justified? Well, the answer, quite frankly, is yes. And to what extent does the extent rather does the fate of Taiwan affect the United States. Well, to begin with, there's a geographical importance of Taiwan. It's part of the so-called first island chain. It stretches from Japan through Okinawa and Taiwan to the Philippines and the Straits of Malacca. Well, this chain, if in hostile hands, is a barrier to both China's uh, military and commercial access to the seas. As important uh, as uh, China's economic center of gravity is on the coast from um well, various areas or from that same island chain, it is important to us as well. Well, conversely, in uh, Chinese hands, Taiwan and the border, um, the border, or I should say the broader first island chain will uh, serve as a shield for China. Taiwan in the center of that chain would be a key factor determining whether China's military must operate defensively or could operate offensively. So for them, if they have aspirations, and we believe they do, um, this is critical for them. They would much rather uh, be offensive than defensive in the event of military incursion. Ownership of Taiwan would provide Beijing uh, other greater advantages if China was able to deploy surface to air missiles, radars, airborne early warning aircraft to Taiwan, their warning time of any attack would be substantially increased. Long range strike forces deployed on that island would provide the uh, the People's Liberation Army Air Force and the PLA Navy an unfettered ability to uh, to range deep into the Central Pacific to attack oncoming forces while also interdicting supply routes to Japan and South Korea. So Taiwan is essential. This geographic importance is not solely a wartime concern. The PRC is also uh, has some unique concerns. It's uh, land power that uh, depends on the seas. Uh, China needs the oceans to import key resources, the most important of which is food. China is a net importer of food, including staple grains like um, with such imports. Then China's population would experiencing experience rather skyrocketing food prices, which in turn could threaten the rule of the Chinese Communist Party. In addition, the PRC has to import energy, including oil, as well as raw materials. Uh, they convert um, the PRC converts uh, said uh, raw materials into a range of products from uh, steel, I-beams to 
T-shirts to computers, exports them around the world. All of this is by way of container ships, of which China is now one of the largest producers. So there are a variety of reasons that have very little to do with the military. Without easy access to the sea, the Chinese communist government would have trouble feeding its people, maintaining its factories, earning income, even with the Belt and Road Initiative and other infrastructure investments for the moment. China cannot replace its dependence upon the seas. There's also the reality that Taiwan is a key link in the global supply chain, supporting information and communications technology. Taiwanese firms, along with Southern Korea and some other companies, are the key producers of microchips, the silicon-based components that effectively animate the world's electronics. The current shortage of chips has had downstream effects across uh, industrial sectors, extending beyond information and communication technologies to include automobiles. These firms have more than 60 percent of the global market share of the chip production. Were China to somehow jeopardize that capacity, Beijing would have the ability to influence other countries to the um, an overwhelming degree. Now, this would affect not only the United States, but such key allies as Japan and Germany. It's not for the United States to determine the ultimate fate of Taiwan or dictate the relationship between Beijing and Taipei. But it is in America's interest to ensure that this uh, sensitive region with its enormous impact on global economic security doesn't see the outbreak of conflict. American efforts to support a peaceful resolution of the Taiwan Straits issue, including deterring a Chinese use of force against the island, are an integral part of sustaining global peace and stability. Again, it's not just a concern over military incursion. There are other interests that uh, are certainly U.S. and Chinese interests in the region. Well, finally, a new giant statue installed outside the United Nations headquarters in Manhattan, New York, is being likened to an end times beast described by the Apostle John in Revelation 13.2. A guardian for international peace and security sits on the visitor's plaza outside uh, hashtag UN headquarters. The guardian is a fusion of jaguar and eagle donated by the government of Oaxaca, Mexico. It's created by artists um, from there, from that region, the UN says, in a tweet that includes a photo of the statue. Well, it certainly does resemble what you read about the beast uh, described by the Apostle John in the 13th chapter of Revelation. Interestingly, two beasts recorded in the book of Revelation are said to symbolize political power and were described with leopard-like features. Now, you wonder, did that inspire the artists? Other beasts were recorded with wings to symbolize speed and swiftness. I'm curious where the artists got their inspiration for this work. Well, again, Revelation 13.2 says, The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had... um, Feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. Daniel 7, 2 through 4 reads, Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the other, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of a human was given it. Well, some Twitter users are also quoting First Thessalonians 5, 2 through 3, uh, which is about the end times, referring to the uh, mention of peace and security in the UN's tweet. Well, the passage reads, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying peace and safety. Uh, Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and that and they will not escape. 
Another user writes, the end is near. What more proof do you need? Well, I don't want to read too much into the sculpture, but it certainly does uh, reflect images that one reads about in the book of Revelation. And you do wonder about the artists. So I'm going to try to find out more about who they are and what, uh, where they did get their inspiration. Um, and we'll try to report back on a later date. While you're listening to the Georgine Rice Show, as mentioned earlier in our second hour, we're going to share a conversation I had with Joel Rosenberg regarding his latest work, Enemies and Allies, an unforgettable journey inside the fast-moving and immensely turbulent modern Middle East. That's coming up next on the Georgine Rice Show, right after news and traffic. So stay with us. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.